your listening Ember Weekend, your weekend recap of all things Ember. This is episode 43. I'm Jason McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson, and we're here to keep you in the Ember Run Loop. We're broadcasting from HashRocket HQ. Today's episode is called Application Instance Instances. That was a mouthful. I wish your face was on it. Like, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I'm like, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to mess it up. That came out pretty good. The first story we want to cover is the new Git owner API that's now in 2.3 beta. This is actually a really cool uh, API. We thought we would have used it more, but apparently we were too diligent with our removal of our container usage in Ember Weekend. I think that was all accidental. Don't worry. But that's basically what this is designed for. Anywhere you were saying, you know, app dot underscore underscore container, um, or, or, you know, somehow looking up container, or, you know, even if you had isolated it out into one place, which you should have, at some point you were using a private API and this has become the new standard for the public API of how to get the application instance for you to be able to look up things uh, off of the the registry. Right. And I think the, so this is specifically off of the application instances registry. So this is going to be, this is going to come in handy with things like fastboot. Is that kind of the general idea? Yeah. I mean, since it's the application instance, the visit API, which, you know, fastboot uses, uh, you know, this will make it so that you're getting the instance that that uh, that instance of the object was, you know, came off of that application instance that the instance of the service or something you pass in uh, came from. Do you have that quote about the instance, the application instance, instances, application instance, instance, instance? Oh no, yeah, that was a that was a really confusing uh, blog on Ember. Where it was I, like, I'm sure it's technically correct. It was just a oh, lot yeah, of yeah. the word instance, like all in a row. It was like the instance of the or the the Ember application instance versus the Ember application instance instance. Whoa, whoa! We're like we're like instance inceptioning, right? How many instances are we in? Yeah, I don't know. It, the top's still spinning, so just keep moving. All right. So the other cool thing about this is that there's a polyfill add-on uh, that will give you this uh, this Git owner support back to Ember one dot ten, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, being able to go that far back um, is I don't know. It's something that is really cool. It's something that the add-on ecosystem really allows for is the the, these polyfills become a lot simpler. Um, I think the the way that you get this one is you just say uh, import get owner from Ember get owner polyfill and you just have it now. Right. So in, in that sense, it's not a true polyfill because you have to change the way you get it in order to get the effect. So the the new API is on Ember.getOwner. Ember CLI doesn't the, have a shim for get owner, like a import shim or whatever. Uh, no, not that I, no, not that I know it built in Ember CLI. You have to use this. And get your Git owner oh, from, from this like, import rather than get it off of Ember, which is cool. That means that the you know the add-on doesn't just tack something onto right. Ember. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although maybe it maybe it does, and but this is the example I've seen uh, everybody use, uh, which is which is nice. I actually like you know importing it directly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I much prefer doing the import rather than trying to destructure or pull it off directly off of Ember just for future compat reasons. Yeah, because it's probably much uh, much less likely that this add-on goes away than it is that Git owner moves around uh, where it's you know where it's on Ember right now. Like it could move to like uh, whatever Ember dot service dot Git owner or something, you know. And and now you've got to change all your stuff. Whereas this add-on's never going to change. Yeah, uh, as long as it lives. Absolutely. That's uh, that's kind of how I feel about doing uh, like the destructuring that you have to do right now to pull certain things off of Ember is like you're doing the destructuring and then you're referencing it by whatever variable name you have internally and that way you know future proofing uh, when you have to replace all those things you can just um replace those one those one liners all over the place 
Yeah, I, I recently started doing that with all the places I was using like uh, Ember.String things like Camelize, right? Uh, underscore and all that, all that junk. Yeah, and even Git and Set or um, Adder on Data Store, you know, that, those sort of things. So it's definitely, uh, definitely really cool if you're if you find yourself reaching into containers or working with Fastboot or or anytime you really want to get information off of the the instance container. Uh, you should definitely take a look at this. There's a there's a blog post that kind of introduced it a while ago. Uh, we covered that. I don't remember the episode title. Uh, we'll we'll link to the episode title. Uh, we talked about it briefly in passing, but there's a, there's a little bit more information there. So be sure to check it out and check out the add-on if uh, if you're looking at uh, pulling it in. Charles Lowell from the Front Side, who also does the Front Side podcast sometimes, wrote a blog post called "Functional Templating in Ember," and in it he shows how using some prefabbed add-ons that are designed in this specific way, a uh, functional style, you're able to compose these add-ons together in very unique ways. So the example he's giving throughout the course of the blog post is a file upload and then a preview and then a, uh, I don't know, a, a file picker and a preview and then a file upload. And these three add-ons work such that they really only have the responsibility the very narrow responsibility of either you know getting the file off the system disk or converting the blob into a URL that will allow you to use it in an image tag or something for a preview. Uh, I think the he uses a a GIF as a as an example. Image GIF is what he what he lets you use, um, but it could be uh, any number of things interacting with some uh, browser APIs, and then you know the final one is the upload the upload thing which uses XHR. And uh, each one of these components can be like mixed and matched in different ways. And they're really like, they're not very uh, dependent on uh, your templating stuff. Uh, so you can make it look however you want. Uh, it doesn't really require a whole lot of tweaking. And you never have to go into the component to mess with it. So like the, the end result of using these add-ons is that you never really have to write any JavaScript, uh, custom JavaScript, I guess. Uh, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, I liked, I definitely liked the idea. I think you, you had a really good question, um, when we originally reviewed this about using the mute helper and is that, is that kind of cheating a little bit maybe with the, the data downs actions up philosophy? Yeah. I always looked at the, the mute helper as kind of like a, uh, a civil bandaid where, you know, there's going to be some kind of breaking changes with data downs actions up where, you know, you want to have two way binding. Um, but as a kind of like a fix really quick, you could just replace it with a mute helper, get the effect and then move past it to, to sometime later, come back and say, what's the real, you know, actions happening, happening here rather than this two-way binding. Um, but uh, the more and more I see it, the, uh, I'm kind of used to it now. Um, but I mean, in this case, what, what's really happening is there is a, uh, a file list that gets, you know, created and you're binding to that. And then I guess, you know, somewhere else in this file you're using the files that came from there. And so one of the things that the mute helper lets you do here, I think, is um, you get to define files here. You don't have to write a, a backing component around this. You know, when you, when you say mute as files, it creates that variable, which is then used by the each helper to loop over it. Whereas if you had an actual action and you said, you know, call files updated, then now you have to have a component in the back that then sets the, you know, declares that action and sets the files to the files that came in. So I think that's why it's being used here is to keep it all in the template. Right, right. Which, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, we've used that trick before. I think even Ember, Ember Weekend has a few instances where we, we just use that to define a variable like in the template right there without really having to go elsewhere to look for it. 
And I think that that's really one of the strong points that he's making here is that you you can really drive all the things through the template because that's kind of where a lot of this logic can exist and sh maybe even should exist uh, rather than trying to ship ship it back up to the component uh, like JavaScript files. Yeah, and I, and I, I like that. I, I appreciate the not having to declare the component JavaScript file. Um, and so I think that in this case, it's it's just to get around that having one more file to say, you know, he's wanting to show how easy it is. Like, I think he says something like 16 or 15 lines. Um, and now if you introduce a component, that's more in line. So it's it's really just a way of like like code golfing at this point. Uh, code code golfing has some negative implications. It's I feel like it's not quite code golfing, but you're 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 right. It's, I feel like it's trying to segment the the display logic into the templates when when you can do that. Right, because in in a template like you have a, a custom checkbox, um, you don't want to just uh, mute bind the, the boolean checked or something. You'd rather say something like, "Hey, the checkbox was checked." Or the checkbox was not checked like have two different actions or maybe maybe have a change that calls an action but in this case it's just to make it smaller um which but it's it also makes it easier to read i mean maybe you know this is how i, I don't know if this is how you did you would intend it to be used um because this x file input uh is an add-on that exists that he's talking about this is something that exists you just pull it in and now you can you know get a very very customized um file uploader um, for in, in you know 15 or 16 lines yeah yeah and and this could and then the preview section is totally separate so like that that component the actual like previewing he even says like you might want to preview like a like a an excel style file like a, or csv or something like that you want to show it in a grid and uh, you could just pull out that one piece and now oh yeah everything else still works and that one piece has to change just the part where you you display the data that you allowed them to pick uh, and I think that's pretty, that's the, that's the flexibility. That's when you can actually start composing components together. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And the other cool parts about these are the, the, the types of components that are extracted from this, this helper, this, uh, the file X file input. Um, there's also an X object URL that like wraps the whole, uh, blob creation for the preview and gives you the, you know, the, the data URL for you to, to render into an image. Uh, that was really cool. Uh, and then the, um, the X, it's like X XML HTTP request. <laughs> this seems like something I'd want to like push off into a service. But then when you see what you get to do with it, um, it's binding the XHR request so that when the whenever the percentage changes, this template re-renders. So you get like kind of like a fully customizable progress bar. So I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely really interesting. And and I asked him uh, on Twitter uh, why he's prefixing all of the um, components in the example with uh, the X dash. So X dash XML HTTP requests, that sort of thing. And it's, uh, he said that it's because he wants to ad hoc distinguish that component as using a low level browser API. So I thought that was a really interesting distinction because I've seen the X, you know, X foo. I use that a lot when I need like a dash, but these all had dashes in them already. So there was no namespace violation. So I was like, why is he using X? So it was really good to get that clarification. Yeah. So overall, I mean, this is a this is a really cool library, and I and this is a a great way to showcase you know how to how to use it and just how to kind of program in this functional uh, pattern uh, with templates anyway. Uh, I, just completely getting rid of the the backing components is is awesome. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to use it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, definitely recommend uh, checking it out. So a few days ago, uh, Trek put up a PR to deprecate Ember Array Proxy and asked for some community input on who was using it and uh, what the use cases were so that they could see whether they could actually uh, safely deprecate this. Uh, there is a kind of like an internal need for it in Ember Data. So some of the discussion revolved around 
it's okay if you have Ember data, but if you have Ember, it's deprecated. And um, and other people were saying, you know, what use cases they had. So uh, if you have any, uh, you know, any use case, go go hit up this PR. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, chime in. I think I think um, one of the main uh, concerns here is that. It is. There are practical applications for this, um, especially when you want to uh, like loop over a promise. So you want to say, okay, I want to loop over a collection of things, and if it's pending, I want you to, you know, kind of no op, and then as soon as it resolves, I want you to loop over and re-render. So there's uh, there's use cases for that, um, but I suspect that there's some performance considerations that um, are the kind of the rationale behind moving away from this sort of thing. I specifically, they said that the they weren't going to be able to remove Git the dot git um syntax mm -hmm. you know like so that you couldn't just go to straight uh getters because of this and i, I don't know exactly why that was but this is something i think uh, steph mentioned okay okay um yeah and it, it, there's a lot of considerations i think uh, one of the possible ways forward is to maybe pull the array proxy out into an add-on and then you can you can include it or or um or you know exclude it at, at ad hoc as you need it uh and that that might be a, a workable solution i think it kind of depends on uh, there, like a lot of this discussion is gonna is gonna influence how how this gets handled. Um, I suspect that there are some deeper considerations that we're probably omitting, but uh, the thread is really long and it's very very interesting. Um, so if you if you get a chance, you should definitely check it out. I think uh, in it, um, maybe there's some mention of observers by a certain Ember Core team member. Did, did I hear this right? Uh, yeah, this this I think was like uh, one of the few times I've ever heard Steph recommend observers in, in this case. Um, really, probably because there's no other option. Uh, this is for you know if you one of the one of the use cases was people were using it to like be able to throw things in into the array and get a notification that something changed. Get you know some method that gets called on it. Um, some some notification something happened, and so there are already uh, array observers, and so it was recommended that. This might be one of the cases you need an array observer. Although I would almost guarantee that if you replace it with an array observer and then show it to Steph, he would be able to show you exactly how you could get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, I just thought that was that was kind of funny. And, and all this like back and forth and like figuring out like kind of solutions and use cases and stuff. It was really funny to see. Not funny. It was it was awesome really to see uh, like the back and forth so someone's like oh i use it this way and they're like here's an answer here's a way you could do it you know in a different way and back and forth and uh it was it was really i don't know I, I really had a good time reading this this thread yeah one of the great use cases for it which ended up being uh, i think a lot of people's um use case was that they were from their route they were returning a model that was an array proxy uh and then wait and then you know it would cause the the review to like render immediately uh, and then they were waiting on the you know response from like Ember Data or the network to fill up that array proxy, and then when it inserted the records, the view would repaint itself. Right. Um, and so that seemed like a you know a good use case for it. Um, and I don't know what the alternative would be in that case. I think you can um, do something than, about like notify property change or something like that. I just worked on a on a computed property for Ember CPM that that did something like this, but there are limitations there as well. So. Yeah, well, one of the things, one of the downsides of doing it this way is you would lose the um, the loading routes being called automatically, um, which I believe we're using the loading routes number weekend to show the the hang tight, right? Yeah, the little spinner on uh, the blog. Yeah. yeah, and so that kind of thing, like you would lose that that hook that gets called that template that gets rendered automatically because you're you're returning just you know just straight out of the the route with an array proxy, and so as far as Ember knows, that's the thing it's rendering. So you, you end up having to do some manual stuff anyway. Um, 
but I'm not sure. I don't know if observers would fix this or like you're saying, like the change events, but um, hopefully there's a way to move this into an add-on. I suspect though that there is some kind of core Ember concern that goes on deep in this thing, and that's why it hasn't already been moved into an add-on. Right. So if you caught the last episode of Emberland, that uh, was episode 18, uh, there was a mention of a really cool add-on uh, that I'd heard mentioned before but never really dug into, uh, and it's called Ember Route Action Helper. Uh, this was written, I believe, by uh, Robert Jackson and Lauren Tan. It's, it's kind of subtle. like the, the title doesn't make it very, you know, sound very amazing, but when you see what it actually does, you'll, you'll love it. So the idea is that you would get the ability to call route-action as a helper instead of just action, and that action will get triggered on the route. And what this keeps you from having to do is define a controller that's only job is to like handle an action and just call it back up to the to the route. So it lets you bypass creating empty controllers with just actions. Yeah, this is really cool to keep the data in the route. So you say, uh, say you have a form and it has a submit action. You can say, okay, well, I just want the route to give me, uh, you know, maybe a prefab form object. And then I want to allow the user to manipulate it with, you know, standard template stuff. And then I want on the submit, I want uh, on the click action of the submit button, I want it to call a route action saying, oh, update this stuff uh, and then pass all the, all the information. You could do that by kind of bypassing it by creating an intermediary controller that would catch the action. And then, oh man, I can't, I can't remember. I can never remember how to actually send from the controller to the route, but you can do this little like workaround to send it up through the route. So you can still have some of the data uh, there, but this just goes directly to it. So you don't need that intermediary controller to to handle the persistence uh, layer, you can actually do all the data uh, manipulation in the route, which is kind of where I think data should kind of be messed with. Yeah, and you also, um, because these are closure actions you're dealing with, you you get to deal with the return type. Um, so you can like return a promise from the route and do something like, oh, that failed to save, so I'm gonna show an error message. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've, we've done that on Ember Weekend as well, uh, having having that that promise uh, to, to deal with and say, okay, well, if it fails, then I want to you know show the failure messages and render some errors. If it succeeds, I want to do something else. And you can catch that all in the at the component layer rather than rather than in the in the controller. Yeah, and the other thing that I'm I'm really looking forward to is uh, I actually just dealt with this a couple of days ago where I created a controller that literally just had an action in it. Uh, and then when it came time to make a component, what I've the pattern I've been following is to um, just have a component per route. Uh, so that when routable components land, I just make that component into the route. Uh, and because I already had a controller, it was like easier for me to just say, "Oh, I'll just I'll just put this property in that controller and then just render it on the the template." Right. And so now I can actually uh, it'll be just as easy for me to just not create the controllers ever and just uh, have the 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 pattern that I'm doing now, which is just in the template for a route, just say render the component for this this route, which will later go away when we get routable components, right? And one last thing is that uh, it also supports kind of a simple form of bubbling. So you can actually, um, if you're in one route um, and you you use this route dash action helper, uh, it won't just stop at the route you're in. It'll it'll bubble up to the the parent route. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited about this this add-on. Uh, I I suspect it will be it will be a thing that I use quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. So if you uh, tuned into the Global Ember Meetup last week, we were actually uh, featured in it. We had a 10-minute spot. And we covered some uh, some stuff. We we actually covered it on the episode, I believe, as well, um, for the most part, uh, one or two exceptions. Uh, and that was a super fun time. It was really great to get out there and talk to everybody and 
you know, start re- re- replying in chat and actually have a little, a little spot. I think it was only like 10 minutes and is basically me just kind of like saying, um, a lot. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of comments about how many times you said, um, I know, I know I was worried about yeah. it. I was worried about it, but, uh, <laughs> it was a really great, it was a really great opportunity. It was really fun for us. And we wanted to mention that the next global Ember meetup is going to take place in a centralized location in Raleigh, North Carolina. And Chase and I are going to be on this we're going to be at this event and we're also going to be presenting again for a small section uh, and it's going to be super great. So uh, we're probably going to mention this one more time before we're there, but uh, yeah, you should definitely tune in. It's, I believe it's February 6th. So try to clear your docket and I think it starts at 12 Eastern time. So if you, uh, if you want to, you know, save the date, write it down, put a little Google calendar reminder or something out there. Uh, you can tune in and hear us uh, hear us live instead of all edited and all all the ums removed. Thanks for listening to Ember Weekend. If you'd like to follow along, visit us at emberweekend.com. Or you can find us at Ember Weekend, all one word, on Twitter or subscribe via RSS. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next weekend.